future. But as you know, someday soon, I hope to have the wood carving of the original Ties Place sign um, done by the NYU AD Woodshop. So before we uh, keep name dropping, we should all know it. First of all, welcome everybody. Another episode of Rabbit Hole Sessions. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's your boy Ty. Unfortunately, there's no Emilio or James. I'm out of the country. But what? <laughs> but, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But we do have a very special guest. You've already heard his voice. Um, they have no idea who you are. But it is my father, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to go with Pop. Pops, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself as something else. But thank you for joining us, Pops. Every now and then, my kids do call me my white dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, uh, the infamously known my white dad. Where did that even come from? Because, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's the literal sense of my white dad, but where did that idea even come from? It came from, uh, your brother used to watch that show with Uncle Ruckus. Oh, uh, what's it? What's it? Boondocks. 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 And one day, he's... he's <laughs> we have to call Connor. Because Connor was making fun of, you know, how Uncle Ruckus is as white as can be, mm-hmm. being the black guy. I said, well, look, you get the same thing. It's, you know, your white dad. And kind of goes, yeah, my white dad. So I got to give Connor props. Should we, I, I still don't get it. What do you mean your white dad? Well, what, because the... Uncle Ruckus was like, you know, the white version of a black person, right? Right, right, so right. so we were, Connor, Connor and I were joking about, you know, the fact that he's black, you're black, you know, whatever, but I'm white. Mixed. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it was just, we were just clowning around because, you know, Connor, Although the world sees Connor as a very serious Connor guy. is my brother, ladies and gentlemen. He's the youngest one. He's probably the funniest human being I've ever met in my life. No, that's a fact. Um, but in his typical dry, very droll sense, he's like, okay, yeah, you're my white dad. I get it. <laughs> and I said, yes, okay, from now on then, I'm my white dad. My white dad is going to be, uh, we got to get that a character. Maybe that can be a segment on one of these regular shows. We'll have you call in for the my white dad uh, spot. There you go, and it can be both the uh, sarcastic My White Dad or the real take My White Dad. <laughs> is there a difference? What's, does the whiteness level change? No, the whiteness level doesn't, but the, <laughs> um, the Trumpian level does. You know, Wait, which one's which? Which one would the, be? The real, the real world guy just happens to be a white guy who's your dad married to a black woman. Yeah. The Trumpian level will be the um, Stephen Colbert version. Uh, oh, yeah. The... So, so the opposite view of... I would say the trumped up version, huh? Correct. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, what is it, satire, satirical Republican guy? Correct, yeah. Well, which one are we going to get today? You may get both. <laughs> so not only was my white dad one of your namesakes, I mean, like I said, we're in Ty's place. You also named this, which, quick description, everybody. We are in our house in Abu Dhabi. This is the dedicated bar room, which, you know, is full with all of our accolades, me and my siblings, there's jerseys hanging up, there's pictures of us hanging up, there's things of all family stuff, our university pennants and things like that. If you look outside in the front, there's a big Jesus photo of my sister. In fact, there's one right behind me too. So it's very dedicated. What is, let's talk about that a bit. What, what was the reasoning for wanting to have a room like this? Well, as you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Jeez. Got <laughs> 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 that, yeah. <laughs> as you know, I come from a large family. Um, and... We were all very busy as kids doing sports, non-sports, after-school activities. And that became part of a tenet of what I wanted as a parent. You have to be active. And one of the things I recognized around the house is that we have pictures on the wall, and we have the occasional sports photo or the play photo. And when we were in guitar, so it would be 10 years ago now, for Father's Day, I got a bar. Yeah, yeah. It's That's a good a little, gift, people. Think about it. It's a little you know, six-foot-wide thing with a little back bar piece. And over time, I've added to it. And built probably, the extension. Father's Day three years ago, you and your brother helped me build the extension. That's right. A little flip top from a family. Uh, Sitting at it right now. And I made. We are going to have to get some pictures of this place well, for the episode. Quite a while right? ago. But the impetus was I wanted to celebrate what you guys did 
your brother, your sister, yourself, your mom, and as a way to say when people go to the house, this is what we're about. And if you look around, there's probably an equal split amongst sports stuff and then non-sports stuff. Mm. And quite honest, most of the non-sports stuff is related to drinking, but that's beside the point. <laughs> or Connor. Um, well, which is probably the same thing. Uh, but and it just mattered to me. So I did steal one little corner where I celebrate my little military time and mm -hmm. my sports career, which I re rejuvenated. Oh, well, that's and then, right. And shout out to Tyler. He and I played football for the first time together. Yeah, we connected for a little extra point, a little two-point conversion. You know what we do. You know what we do. Um, but the... The thing, the reasoning behind it was, we have the space, we have the idea of, mm -hmm. of a bar, and it's a space we could spread out to be a celebration of what the McGraths do, have done, and hopefully will do. Yeah, and everybody, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the number 13, I've shouted it out or used it on things a few more times than uh, normal, someone that just has a regular number, Tyler on Demand 13 is obviously the Instagram, go follow that. and. The 13, I mean, started with you because that was something we always did as a kid. That was always our number. That was always your number. And people have always asked me, and I've always given them kind of like the vaguish answer because I'm really not totally sure. So what is the number 13 thing? Where does that come from? So the number 13 comes from my family. I have eight brothers and five sisters. That's 13 um, people, in case you can't When I started playing sports, so That's including you? 14 counting me. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. So when I started playing sports, the youngest one wasn't born yet. And when it came time to choose number, my first number playing Little League, I was six playing with the older kids, mm -hmm. and everyone had their favorite number. And so looking around, I was like, well, the only number really not taken that makes any sense for a baseball player is 13. So I took it, and then like I celebrated it. Look, there's 13 of us kids, right. number 13, and <laughs> I kept that from the age of six onward. And if you ever get a chance to see photos or video, you'll see a lot of number 13 jerseys yeah. hanging around here. It's <laughs> we'll always been my some. number. and. Way back when Tyler and Jade started playing sports at the same time, yeah, yeah, because they're about a year apart, uh, it came down to number choosing. And your sister actually said, "Hey, they don't have a number thirteen. What number should I wear?" And I said, "Well, wear zero and tell me you want a 13. <laughs> and that was at Earl Haig. Wear a three and out of one. Earl Haig in Toronto. Oh my goodness! Shout out to Earl Haig. And um, you can talk maybe if you want about the video we got of her playing basketball. <laughs> we, we won't embarrass her right now. That's an off-air story. So, so from there, number 13, you know, you guys embraced it. I've oh, never told yeah. you you had to wear it, mm -hmm. um, but I'm happy that you do. I am too, and I like the, that's usually the kind of vague answer I give people, you know, because I knew it was something related to the 13 siblings and that conglomerate. And I always, or not always, but I've kind of added my own little take on it where obviously it's the popular unlucky number because people always mention that when you talk about 13. And I'm just like, well... You know, we're proving that we make our own luck. You know, we can overcome these things, even if it's, you know, one of those superstition type of things. It's one of those mentality, mindset things that I've attached to it. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's cool to have something to attach to not only self, but also family as well, which I think you and Mama, of course, have done a great job of promoting that type of stuff. Why, uh, why Ty's Place? Why is the name of the bar Ty's Place? Let's uh, stroke my ego a little bit. Okay, so, so we will. Um, when I got the bar... Your sister actually said, you know, every bar has a name. You know? Oh, she did? Yeah. So <laughs> As a, like, 12-year-old or however old she was, 13. Seventh grade, yep. We yeah. were in Doha. <laughs> and, um, and the irony is that she asked a question. I said, well, Tyler's the one that's always in this room. Because remember the house we lived in in Qatar? The, yeah, it had the separate entrance. It, it had the, or not the only separate first entrance, one or the but it had one? the huge family room. 
Yes. And yes, we had the yes, little yes, pool yes, table yes, and yes. the couches and stuff. All those little trappings of had the know, Wii. Exactly right. And the bar, <laughs> the, fit, the bar literally tucked right into one little corner. Oh, I do remember and, this now. Wow. And your yeah. sister made okay. the complaint that well, everything in here is Tyler's. You know, you play with Tyler this, you do that. I was like, okay, then we'll call it Ty's place just to make you mad. Yeah, that's right, Joe. That's what you get. <laughs> and so that was the origins of, of Ty's place. And when we moved houses and guitar, and then when we moved here. I was like, you know what, the name's good. Mm-hmm. And I think the value it adds for me is that when I tell people we're having drinks at Ty's place, hmm. they're all asking what hotel's that in. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's the family bar. And then Custom when they show guy. up, the association between the bar being named after you, yeah. you know, it, our, one of our children, mm-hmm. and then they look inside and they're like, wow, this is all about your family. That's right. And so had it not been Ty's, Ty's place, you know, Jade's Poo Poo Palace? I don't know. It wouldn't have worked, so Ty's place stuck. <laughs> what is, so where did this, um, obviously I think it's a positive thing in general to do this type of family support mindset that both you and Mama, I think, should both be credited for uh, if we want to maybe get her down here in a few. But what, with a family of like 13, what was that kind of like? Was it the same type of thing? Was it something you saw and wanted to replicate? Was it something you didn't see and wanted to replicate? Was it a mix? Or where does that come from So as a parent? Right. So from my perspective, I mean, I won't speak for your mom, uh, although I think if she was here or we do get her on, she'll talk about her family support being more of we're family first, which is a mentality I adopted because my family wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Ironically enough, even though we were, you're an individual first and we're a family second, my entire time growing up with at any given time, eight of us in the house, as many as 10 of us in the house, doing something after school or on weekends, there's only three times the entire time from when I was age of six until I left high school that my parents did not make an appearance at a game. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be five That's minutes. 13 kids, people, and they made it to all the games except three times. It might be five times. minutes on a hilltop overlooking the baseball field. Right. And Sometimes I wouldn't even see them, but one of my teammates would be like, hey, your parents are here. <laughs> and you'd look over and there'd be mom and dad. Uh, you know, I remember one Saturday in particular when I was in 10th grade, I had a basketball game in the evening. And during the day, I coached two of my siblings in the youth basketball league. They also played junior high basketball, mm-hmm. as did my younger sister. My older sister was on the high school basketball team. My brother Mike was in the band, and my younger sister was in an art thing. And in the course of about eight hours, they spent about six hours on the road to spend two hours at our events. Right. And I never once heard my parents say, you know what, it's not worth going to. Hmm. So from that, I said, you know what, they might beat me when I misbehave, so I'll get rid of that <laughs> one. But What was the thrown out the window but, star? I won't <laughs> get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But the supporting what my children want to do. Yeah. Um, has more merit than I can give credit to. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, I think it allowed me to recognize passion in something they want to do. Mm. Doesn't equate to the support they should get, but certainly it does frame the guidance. So everything deserves my attention. Right. And where I really put my focus is on where do you want to put your focus? Does that translate at all to, because for people who don't know, my father is the coach of the NYU New York University Abu Dhabi uh, basketball team. And we were just talking about this on the drive back the other day when you talked about, you know, every kid plays every game, whether that is all game to 30 seconds, 45 a minute in the end of the second quarter, right? 
does that is there any of that idea that you just said translate because you said everything deserves my attention everything and I just kind of just made a little parallel there does that translate at all or anything like that well certainly I mean there's a lot of things in life that you just gather as you go along and I'm not very young um, not not ready to die yet. But at the same time, first senior citizen discount last I, year, I did, right? Yeah. Yes, I did. Thank you very much, uh, Memphis Casino. Um, but it's one of those things where you start to look at life as what are the good things I can impart to those that I'm going to leave the world to. Yeah. And one of the things that we believe firmly at our institution, New York University Abu Dhabi, wearing uh, the shirt now. Shout out in the athletic there. department is. Wins and losses are nice, but the opportunity to participate really matters. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, if you're willing to give me the time at an institution where you're certainly not there to play basketball, and as Tyler can attest, we have several there that are, are not, not there, there to, to play, play basketball. basketball. <laughs> I mean, 20 years from now, there'll be a young man who literally did not pick up a basketball until four months ago, could tell his children, here's a picture of me. I was a member of a college basketball team. Yeah. And that young man in particular, will probably never be anybody that you would associate with anything even remotely athletic. Hmm. But every single game he shows up, puts on the NYUAD purple or gray, he gets out there on the court. And I think he's earned the right to play. Yeah. And the short answer to your question is, yeah, that helped frame it. Mm -hmm. Maturity helped define it. Maturity of yourself, you're Myself, saying? Myself, which is probably a, a, uh, one of those oxymorons, but I slipped it by with <laughs> Was it a moron? You said moron? Uh, <laughs> I slipped it by without your mother being in the room to laugh out loud. <laughs> well, and people, he does have the, what's it called, credentials. I'm sitting right underneath the banner. What's that? Five championships? Four, what's, the res what's the resume? What's um, that like? The league is now in its eighth year, and we will win our eighth championship. Woohoo! And the difference between our league, though, in all fairness, and the rest of the country, there are three schools in the country that recruit probably played a Division One to Division Three level every year. And we lose to one school in Dubai every year. Anywhere between four points was our closest. Mm -hmm. And one year we lost by 60. So uh, <laughs> it depends on what we have. Uh, we suffer a little bit from spring travel. A lot of our students get to study abroad for a year or, right. or two semesters. So some years we're OK, other years we're not. But again, the, the banners are up there. So when people come over, they'll be like, what do you do? I can say. I coach basketball. That's right, and I got something to show for it. Well, I do want to talk, because people also always ask me, of course, how um, you know, I have ended up in this part of the world, how we got here and things like that. But I do want to, I'm going to ask Mama to come down for that, because I know she was definitely like the impetus for that and the start of it. And I just want to know, like, uh, and I want people to know as well, just what kind of decisions go. Now, I'm having a podcast with my parents. I definitely think we should get some parenting and opportunity type of things uh, and ideas out there. But before we get there, Another namesake that you should be credited for that some of the world might know me as is TOD, Tyler On Demand. And I remember we were, what was it? We were in Toronto and give me, fill me in on the story because I know you love to take the credit for the name and I just want to, I want to get it on record. I don't love to take the credit. <laughs> I just like to make sure credit is given where it deserves. Yeah, that's important. That's important. Um, but the Tyler On Demand, there's actually a, like a split origin story. The Oh, that's right. Yeah, you told me that. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. The original right. portion is the kids were at a daycare down the street from where their grandparents lived. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I used to love to do is I'd walk down the street, and Tyler was four at the time, I believe. Yeah, yeah, strong and four. when I would show up, he would come running across the park, <laughs> you know, the little playground, and just, like, run into the fence. Sometimes he'd run into the fence, like, not to the fence. <laughs> into it, yeah, So like what a I, walker. So what I did one day is I was about at the end of the block, and 
I have a voice that I can make carry or project as a former, a former drill sergeant, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And so one day I walked, was walking down the street and it just struck me to yell out, you know, Tyler, as loud as I could. Tyler! And it was a, a two-syllable, <laughs> second-syllable dragged out. And when I got there, he was still standing in the middle of the playground trying to find me. So it prevented him from running into the, into the fence. And so that was the idea of, well, you know, Tyler's on command is how it started. Right. And then the second part is at home. Um, his sister used to be a little bit of a bully, but like, <laughs> like kind of a, on the sly. So he had a little, when he was born, he had a little uh, stomach hernia. Yeah. Uh, abdominal hernia, they a called it. A dangling belly button. And his sister used to either poke it or punch it. <laughs> That's cold, it, man. That thinking that, so thinking cold. that nobody ever saw it. And so we, you know, should get caught and would, would speak terrible. to her. But, you know, when they're four and five, speaking to them is like, yep, head nod, like all of us. And then as soon as you can get away with it, you do it again. Yeah. And it got to the point where Tyler used to walk down the stairs, looking kind of like a zombie. We had, it's like all stiff because the pain made his stomach cramp up. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Tyler, listen. From now on, when she starts that, you just you you need to demand that you know she stop and yell so we can hear you and we'll come up. <laughs> and so Tyler on command became Tyler on demand. Yeah. And the next time I did it, walking down the street, the the Tyler yell. He actually ran into the fence, so I think I maybe oh, screwed man. up the two things Confused together. the commands. The one was, I didn't even know about the belly button story, but I was thinking of, it was one time, I think it was just one summer when we were back in Toronto, I think, I don't remember if it was high school or college, probably early college, because that's when I started doing music and stuff, but I don't know, I was like trying to figure out names, like stage names, rap names, and I was going through like TMC, because I remember I always wanted to and still want to have a name that is close enough connected to my actual name. And, you know, I didn't want, like, you know, Drip God, Paper Towel, right? Lil, Lil Bar, right? Or anything like that. So I always wanted something that was close enough to me so I could still be me and stuff while also doing the art. And I remember you just said it one time, like, Tyler On Demand. And that was, I think, as the producer name, right? Like, the rap name and the producer name was different. You know, That's those right, courses, you know, Nova Stella. Stella you, know, you know, we know Nova Stella still. That still gets hashtagged Thank in you. the... <laughs> Pop doesn't like that one, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm glad we made the change. So all of that is to say, definitely give you your credit. And people, if you ever need to uh, know where the name came from, there's your origin story. And the actual time was your it was Christmas, your freshman year. Oh, that's what it was. Right, okay. That was Toronto. We were in Toronto, yeah. And um, you had the, like, we talked about names to your radio show. Yeah. Whatever, and we did, everyone was just kind of spitballing stuff. I'm sure your sister said many, many, many silly things. And <laughs> I'm the sure Tyler, Connor did too. And the Tyler on demand, well, I'm sure Connor's more silly than each other, probably profane and would be bleeping the show out. You know, uh, Tyler sucks was probably the first one he said. That's the cleanest, right. yeah. Um, but it was, for me, when I said that, I was thinking of the Tyler. Yeah. And then the rest of the story is that's where, in my mind, the whole thing comes from. There you go, people. Now you know the origin story. That's my uh, superhero origin story. Okay, before, because like I said, I want to do Get Mama, but let's talk some more about your stuff. I want to, because this show is all about uh, like creative thoughts, creative ideas, creative just ventures and things like that. That's one of the definitely main staples Emilio and James and I try to get across. And um, I always wondered if you are like a disgruntled creator that maybe you think was born in the wrong era or something, because I know you create things and have passion to create things like writing and get into your podcast ideas if you want later. And I always wanted to kind of ask about that, and I figured on the rabbit hole sessions would be a good platform for that. So 
do you ever like feel anything about that, about your creative ideas and creative thoughts, maybe trying to channel them, maybe, uh, I don't know, wasn't the right time to channel them when, when did it even start? Like when did, when did any ideas to write and things like that come about? Okay, so. it's <clears throat> a lot of questions. I don't feel, no, it's all right. <laughs> I don't feel disgruntled because I'm one of those people where you do things or you don't do things. And ideas are, I think, best served putting them out there, whether you act on them or not. Because somebody may hear your idea and make it something worthwhile. Right. So from that perspective, not disgruntled at all. <coughs> uh, I do write. I write a lot. I mean, mm. I write poetry. I write all kinds of things. I've got notebooks laying around the house with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, I love to write little notes to your mom. Oh, that's you know, cute. That, you know, and not most of them probably suck, but <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. they're they're poignant because I don't write like I'm trying to write. I write like I'm thinking. Mm. Um, and then I know I have no musical talent. Mm. I, I have a good musical ear for what I like. Right. Right. What so you can hear and things. I mean, you've advised me on correct. music things as well before. Things you hear and that are right. very it's solid input. I can't sing. I can't write. Whatever. And, but I know what I like and I know what I like to listen to. From the artistic side of things, the, the phrase I like to use is I'm a you know I'm a deconstructionist. If I can blow something <laughs> up, that's great art for me. Um, if I could make something <laughs> yeah. uglier than it was, that's great art for me. Yeah. Um, just because I don't have a desire to be creative just to be creative. Right. Right. The reason why I love what you do in music beyond I'm going to do what I want to do, I'm not going to settle to try to make it, is your passion is for what you are doing and creating. Whereas I don't have a passion to do and create. My passion in life is to coach, mentor, mm -hmm. you know, make, I say this all the time to you and your siblings. You know, I, it really sucks for you guys that you have to go find work because I've done two jobs in my life. Mm -hmm. And I would do both of them over and over and over again if I lived forever. Right. And Which we've mentioned was coach and in the and Army. In the military, yeah. right? I, you have the order when I retire from the military. That's right. Right? I do. I'm leaving the one thing I love to do for those that I love. Mm -hmm. And that's, I was able to, fortunately, Six, you know, circumstances where your mom come over here to work, find another passionate job where I work with youth and coach sports. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wear gym shorts and a long sleeve t-shirt to work every single day. It's casual every day, not just casual Friday. Uh, I do wear sneakers though, so don't don't diss me. Oh, uh, <laughs> but it's casual. So my creativity, um, well source is what can I offer to enhance the experience of people that I speak to, mm. work with, touch, guide, mentor. Um, and I do that through my alternative support method. Oh, yes. This is, this is a key uh, aspect of his mentoring. And I, I try to make sure every day I ask, you know, every other, every third, every fourth student I see, how was school today? Yeah. What you do today? so that they can realize what they're accomplishing in the moment. Because hmm. I realized at a very young age, I was doing something I loved and I could recount all the little details. Right, in the moment while you were doing it. And I could recount them to this day. Right. right? I can tell you right now That's about important. the touchdown pass in Lamport Stadium to win the city football championship. And how long ago you know? was that? Right, and, and you know, 2007. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could tell you the exact color shirt sure. the guy in the audience I turned to and said, that's a touchdown when I threw the 60-yard touchdown pass before, you know, it even, like, right after it left my hand. Yeah, off the fingertips. Right? I mean, that kind of thing. And it's because that's my creativity. 
-hmm. So short answer, I think my creativity is internal, like a, a, a wheel. Yeah. And what comes out is how mm. can I make somebody else feel that they're successful now? What is the, because you mentioned the writing thing, you write not like you're writing, you write like you're thinking. What is that? What, what does that mean? Can you elaborate a little more? Because yeah, I, so, I think that's interesting. Because I'm, I'm, I'm probably my second biggest um, hobby is reading. Mm -hmm. I read three books a week. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of it is fiction. I, I find factual accounts. Dean Koontz, Dan Brown. I see those uh, laying yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but Stephen King. I find factual accounts to be normally one of two things: either so slanted to one opinion. Yeah. Or because because you've read so much about other things, you know the the take on history might be shaded by somebody's understanding of other events other than the subject matter they're writing about. Ah, uh, so it's so, not directly to what right, they're talking so like about. Two it's of my, two things I love to read about are the American Revolution, American Civil War, mm -hmm. and you can always tell whether somebody has, for example, a Civil War, whether they have pro-South leanings, uh, yes. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. anti-slavery leanings. Uh, trade and whatever you can yeah. you don't need to see the title or read their bio to you know you read into it and so having been somebody that's walked for example in Gettysburg right. reading books about Gettysburg sometimes the novel gives you a flavor that the factual account can't right so what I what I mean when I say I write like I'm thinking if I'm writing something I don't sit there and say how will the audience take it mm -hmm. it's literally how I would say it so in a line in a book where uh, you gotcha. might read, gotcha. you know, Sally went to the door, held her breath, and the knock on the door surprised her. I'd be like, uh, Sally went to the door and didn't open it. <laughs> right? And then when she opened it, she was surprised. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. <laughs> and so if I ever do get around to finishing the first book that will be finished. Let's go. When it goes to the editor. Author pop. When it goes to the editor, yeah. it'll be, dude, really? Let's Say, make it a little more poetic. Can, can we make it a little more translatable to the reader? Right, and, not to And you. I will say no. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about to say it. Say I, no. I will yeah. say, I'll say no because in the end, I think what I write is the type of thing that you, you see on TV nowadays. Which is? Yeah, I'm mean, just, it's, the conversation is real conversation, you know. I say. Where do you see that on TV? Well, we're watching a TV show right now with your mom where, you know. Shout out they, Walking Dead. Shout out The Walking Dead. When they cut somebody's head off. Cut us a check. When they cut somebody's head off, it's like, you know. They don't go, ooh, it's gory. They're like, what's next? Right. Right. Okay. So in, in my in my book, if I shoot somebody in the <laughs> face, it's not like, you know, ooh, gory. It's like, good for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's good. I like the, I just like that attitude of not, uh, what you just said at the end, they're not compromising the perspective and the art. Because that's ultimately what I think what viewers want, or not viewers, but uh, audience, whoever's taking it in. That's what we try to do with this podcast. That's what the content I like is, I mean, you have your own flavor of stuff, but then also when you mentioned the, um, what was it, what, about the things having slanted view or having influence on it, I don't like that. And you and me, I think, are pretty similar in the sense that we can think what we think about things, right? Like, we can have our own opinions, but I don't want, I don't even want something slanted in my opinion. I want, like, a factual recount or a accurate recount of, um, the event or something in question. You know what I'm saying? I, I do, and I'll disagree in, in one sense. I think everybody innately, I mean, we're all, you know, animalistic to a sense, we right. have, you know, in, uh, instinctive. Innately, we would like our opinion to matter if to nobody else but ourselves, hmm. right? 
So I think the being understood, being accepted part is where a lot of people fall down. And I'll, I'll tell you, the, the balance for that to me is this, is if you say to me, I'm gonna make music that just sells millions and millions of records. Yeah. I don't care if it's what I wanna do, but that's what I want to do, right. to sell millions and millions of records. I'm not gonna find fault with your music. Right. I may not like do. it, I may like it, but I'm not gonna find fault with your music right. because you, the artist, said my objective is blah, blah, blah. I like I that. Want. You don't like it, but it's not wrong. Correct. You know, I like Correct. that just mindset, that Whereas mentality, which I, I think people I, need more of. And I equally support the artist that says I'm not gonna compromise. I'd rather be seen as a quote-unquote failed artist right. by the public, but a success to myself, if not my peers and people in the industry. Yeah, I feel that. All right, let's change, let's change gears kind of because, um, you know, you've mentioned things about America. Obviously, you're American, right? So I just wanted to get into your origins and things like that. Boston, born and bred, everybody. Or not bred, but born. And, uh, I was bred there as well. My parents did the nasty in Boston. Oh, jeez, that's disgusting. But <laughs> just, you know, this is a, I guess, Boston-based podcast, right? For the most part, all the episodes, well, all the episodes except this one have been in Boston and have not really Boston-centric. Maybe the last one was. Shout out to Rory for being on that episode, but... What was, what was that like growing up in Boston? And I mean, I don't know if you want to say your age. You've towed around it a couple I'm times. Uh, there we go. <laughs> what was Boston not like? My white grandpa. He's still my white dad. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Although, like I said, you did get the senior citizen discount, but not in Boston. You wouldn't. So I guess it doesn't count. But just because um, I know you moved out of Boston like kind of earlyish in your uh, younger years. But what was what was that like in the time you spent in Boston from when you were born to when you moved around? All right, so there's probably four to 12 layers to this, and that's, I'll just touch on the ones that I think are pertinent to our family dynamic. You know, your mom and I being a, a mixed-race couple, you guys being mixed-race kids. The thing I think about Boston that probably gets brushed over historically is it was always one of the most racial, uh, racial if not racist, cities in the United States. We didn't have riots like in Detroit or LA or Miami or DC in the late 60s, early 70s. But the boundaries they pushed were certainly in the sense of division versus inclusion. And now those are fairly modern day terms. And back then we didn't have terms like you know diversity, inclusion. We had terms like we need racial balance, racial harmony. And Boston was a funny city in that as misproportioned it was demographically amongst race, there were several pockets in the city that were as demographically balanced as the city as a whole. And we happened to grow up in one of those places in West Roxbury. Shout out to Roxbury. Where, you know, we had uh, a middle-class neighborhood and it was multi-generations of minorities, whether they be, you know, Eastern European folks, the folks of Latin descent, blacks, Asians, you know I mean? And if my terms are wrong today, I really don't care because that's how I grew up. <laughs> In our house, the we use the term black, you know, my, my black course. wife and so my, you know, um, my white dad. So quick <laughs> side note, kids growing up had Toronto and New Hampshire grandma and grandpa. Yeah. But they also had brown grandma and grandpa and white grandma and grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're not, uh, you know, speaking out of turn at least as we live at home right exactly like within us those are the accepted right. terms and yeah. what we've agreed upon so back to the, the the layers of boston that i guess i loved and i i, I disliked 
to your point, we moved out of Boston several times because my dad's job had him on the move. He worked for a large company doing security for Department of Defense. And then every year, some new little knucklehead would pop out of old mama. So we had to get a bigger house. Um, <laughs> but the three things that stand out to me the most are busing. Mm -hmm. So we moved out of Boston the last time in 1975. I was in fifth grade. And it was because of busing. And our neighborhood was right, it was the closest neighborhood in town. And we described our neighborhood from where your school was to where your park was was the closest nice. metric to what the racial balance model was and the racial harmony model was in Boston. And about 80% of the students are gonna be bussed out. As opposed to saying, hey look, if we could replicate this elsewhere, maybe what exists here would be good. And our neighborhood went from being a place where every single day, kids of different races, different nationalities were playing by your street. So we were Willow Street. We'd go to Maple Street in the fall, in the fall to play football. Are they all football. trees? Are they all named after trees? So we had Willow, Oak, Maple, um, Birch, and then Center Elm. Street. Center Street. Oh, there we go. But it's, it's like the Pokemon. But, so like we'd play street hockey, we'd play football, we'd play wiffle ball in the street. Yeah. And literally the day after they started enforcing busing, there were kids that lived on our street that were fighting other kids that lived in our street because their parents said that it's wrong to do that. To play with each other? To, yeah. No, so like to mingle, all of a sudden, yeah. we couldn't play with you know, the Carter family across the street because they were black. Not us. We could. Yeah. But other kids couldn't. Right. And um, Timmy and his twin sister, I forget the name, Lee, who lived about eight houses down, their house got you know, rocks thrown through the windows because Whoa. they were seen talking to the Asian family next door the day before. Whoa. And this is in a span of 24 hours. And we probably lasted about three weeks in town. I was bussed by getting on a bus, getting on the streetcar, getting on a bus to go to school about an hour and a half away every day. And, you know, nine kids in eight different schools, where before it was the two high school kids, the two middle school kids, and the five grammar school kids all go in the same place. Um, so that was probably the one thing really negative that stood out about Boston when I was younger. And as I grew up, I look back, I'm saying, it's always been that way. Boston is still a very racially divided city. Yeah. The definitely. difference between, let's say, Boston and Atlanta is, you know, people don't walk down the street and, you know, ride a, stop a swastika on your car right. in Boston. Right. But you know they're thinking about it. Right. <laughs> they want to, but they don't. It's funny because Boston is one of those cities that, you know, it claims to be one of the progressive ones. Like the, I think it's because a lot of college, it's like a college town, a lot of college students, a lot of like younger demographics that are trying to be that kind of new age of, I don't know what the word is, like lefty, like I don't want to say like, like sound like I'm disparaging well, it, but I am a little bit. I think the, I think the correct term would be liberal. It's always been that yeah, way. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. It's just always pride itself surface. on being liberal in the sense of, you know, we're not going to be the same as, and this is my, these are my words, yeah. the worst people out there. We're not going to own slaves because the South does, mm -hmm. but we're also not going to let the black guy next door you know, become the bank president. Right, right. right. So that, that o overt huh. versus covert, you know, type thing. Mm -hmm. In all fairness, though, many points in history, many prominent non-whites have risen to, you know, decent stature. Oh, of course. And very good stature. And that needs to be highlighted right? as well. And, and so and there's probably the biggest thing is the inability to provide examples of a consistent pattern yeah. means that you have no pattern. Wow. Which means yeah. that 
people are the exception rather than <laughs> the rule or a, norm, a commonality. A norm. Yeah, a norm. Right? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. like the rule thing, but the norm. Yeah, I don't. I, right? Rule is just, you, you know, know I mean, with the term. If you could look it back and say, hey, listen, there was a black mayor, then a woman mayor, then a white mayor, then a white mayor, and a white mayor, and an Asian mayor, and whatever, you could say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. But when you have to say in 1964, there was a woman mayor for the first time in Boston. Right. And in 2020, there'll be the second woman mayor ever. That's not the norm. It's almost like the aspect of being a symbol, quote unquote, works against the cause where, you know, you want a symbol of, quote unquote, progress or a symbol of whatever you're supporting. But when you do that, it makes it seem like it's this almost unachievable thing. Like it's this extraordinary Superman or Superwoman figure that nobody else can really live up to. And, you know, it's Black History Month now, obviously, but and I have my own issues with the fact that it's a month that I mean, you need a month in the beginning dedicated to it because that's how you highlight things. But then it becomes this thing where it's like, all right, but every year for this month, we so talk about three. months are White History Month. Right, I mean, yeah, kind of, right? But yeah, I, th I, agree. I think all months should be American history, right? Which is a mix of both and more. But it's like, then when you get into talking about just the same things over and over again, right? Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, all of those things are important, obviously. Slavery, like all those things are important, but what about the guy that invented the traffic light, you know, the guy that invented the super soaker, the guy that blah, 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 like what all about, these things. Or what about the 50 parents in my neighborhood who got their kids off to college, you know, get a college education? Right, exactly. Like right. from the grassroots and up, it's, it's this, I think, I mean, that's almost the racist part, which is like, I mean, I don't know whether intentional or not, but that's the, kind of that systemic thing that is always talked about where that is like a systemic suppression of information that would lead to enlightenment of a group that is largely oppressed in historic and present societies. Okay, so there, there's three things there, and I'm going to bundle them together while I, while I unbundle them. Uh -huh. You mentioned the word a symbol. The problem with symbols in any place that has free speech is that they become targets, mm. right? And especially when the symbol represents something that isn't the viewpoint of the majority. Right. So in this case, we're talking about race, right? So any symbol that people associate with, we'll say black people, yeah, right, or Asian people, or Indians, Native yeah. Americans, it's easy for the non of those entities to say that represents that. Right. So all of a sudden, the symbol in my mm. mind, here's a my white dad take. Let's go. The symbol in my mind becomes less of a symbol of pride for the group huh. than it is a symbol of potential derision for the collective. And I think in the United States, the biggest problem we have is that the derision of the collective outweighs. What do you mean by that exactly? Sorry, so, finish the sentence, but right, what do you mean by no, that? No, no, okay, yeah. I'll answer that. So let's just, we'll make up a facetious example. There are Teddy bears in the United States that are greatly oh, this is this is classic my way, Dad. Greatly chair table greatly teddy bear. underrepresented in the history of the United States, but teddy bears exist. They've been niched into somebody's morning. You give them a teddy bear. Yeah, but teddy bears don't like that. <laughs> right. So teddy bears say, "Listen, we're going to take the original Teddy Roosevelt scheme teddy bear. That's where it comes from. Yeah. That's now our symbol. Yeah. So for everybody that gets one of those, it is a symbol of I've succeeded." I've overcome something, or people, uh, or people recognize my morning. Right. Whereas everyone else is now saying, "Dude got a teddy bear, big whoop." Mm -hmm. That symbol has become a point of derision or um, nonchalance right. for the entire collective. Yeah. Not saying one group of the collective, not the majority of the collective, but the entire group of the collective. Right. 
Whereas the intention of the teddy bear was to say, we hear you, we, we, we mourn with you, we, we would all those other things. Right. And so I think that's what happens collectively in the United States. And it's been happening for quite some time. The second th uh, point you made, which I think has a great deg degree of validity to people who think and absolute hatred for those that choose not to think, is that we have to have special recognition. No, we don't. We did, I do agree. And I think that the ability to get masses amounts of information out to everybody at the same time means we don't have to have special identifiers. We don't have to have Black History Month. We don't have to have, you know, whatever other, we don't have autism month. We don't, what we need to have, and you touched on it, is we need to have the ability to make people aware of what our message is without saying it has to be a special message. Because guess what? Yes. It's, not, it's, it's not that Black History Month means that 11 other months are white history, which is fact, but it also means that for 11 months people can choose to ignore Black history. And then they forget history. about it. Like if you ask them in August, right, about so, blah, 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 they're not going to know so because the they only learned it in February. So the true definition of ignorance is not knowing, right? Right. So for one month, you're going to make me do something. And we all know Americans, make me do something probably means, means I hate it. 51% are going to say, nope, we're Americans. 51% majority rules. Exactly. So I, I think, again, that's another detraction. And the third thing, and I think this is actually more positive, provided we're willing to be mature enough as a collective society, to say, and I, I think this is where we lost our way the last few years, we've lost the ability for you to disagree with me mm -hmm. and it to be okay, but then we dialogue. Right. right? It goes back to what you said before. There could be something you don't like, but that doesn't mean it's wrong just because you don't like it or you might not agree with it. And obviously there are things that are wrong I that may we don't say like. something is wrong. Right. And it's, it's collectively right. Right. I may something is right and it's collectively wrong. Right. I mean, you've heard me say this a million times. I don't agree with the majority, the majority of the time. Yeah, same. Right, because <laughs> the majority is I think I know where I get it the majority from is dictated by a minority in that majority, hmm. and then the sheep just say, "Bah." Wow, right? that's a good point. Right. The majority is dictated by a minority in the majority, and the sheep I mean, just follow. Just, that's that's poignant. Just look at your Suffolk University, you know, career, yeah. and say, okay, I, I saw, I had twelve clubs on my radio show, mm -hmm. one spokesman with forty members. The spokesman said something that thirty nine members disagreed with, but the spokesman is the already, spokesman has yeah. already said this is what it is, right? And it did, and if it doesn't get fixed, guess what? That's what that club now is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Okay, let's take a quick break because I have to pee which is a staple of this show. Before we go to break, just, yes. I'd like to say one thing. That, well, three things. One, thank you for the opportunity to come on and oh, talk Of course, to we're happy to have um, you. Two is that these are the type of dialogue, this is the type of dialogue that we have with our children quite often. Mm -hmm. It's and much calmer than normal. Well, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Oftentimes, I am, I am or mom or we mm -hmm. are standing on a much higher plane than the receiver. Yeah. Normally around money. Um, but <laughs> I think to a point that we kind of drifted away from earlier, our parenting style yeah. is predicated on you belong to our family, which means you have 
support of five of us. Yeah. And in your particular case, because the way your mom's family works, mm-hmm. there's grandma, grandpa, your aunt, your uncle, their spouses, your six cousins. Yep. Even before you pick your hand up, you know, support is there. And then the final thing, and this is my perspective, is I grew up in a family that dynamic was completely different than this with several little things that matter. And the three things I took from my childhood that I bought to parenting are, one, there's no need to beat your kids because you can be far crueler by saying, call your coach, you can't go to a game. Oh, man, don't even get me started. Guys, I missed out on an international baseball tournament in Kuwait Why? back in like sixth or seventh grade because I got a C in math. But not Which no, is fair. No, you, not because you got to see a map. Why? Oh, because my teacher knew I could do better. And, and, oh, and I didn't do it. And your teacher told you two weeks ahead of time, Tyler, these three things matter. Right. And I did not apply myself in that instance. And thus, when you don't apply yourself, there are consequences that come along with it. And like now looking back, I totally understand. I think it's totally valid. Just in that moment, oh, man, that was hard. That was hard. And then the last thing, and this is my rule in life. That was yeah. the outfield king. Anyway, keep going. He also pitched a great game the one time he pitched. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so the last thing, and for me, this is the most important thing, and I, I say it to everybody I meet every day in life, yeah. you have to be yourself. Hmm. So while I am the second funniest person I know after Connor, <laughs> the, the kids, Connor's get, definitely number the kids one. get a world of alternative support. Yeah. For example, Tyler, why does your hair look like that? Would be a comment a parent might make. Whereas I Or would currently say, Connor's right now. Or, or I would say, like, Tyler, your hair's all jacked up. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's just how it is. Right, exactly. Um, alternative support, people. That is That might be the name of this episode, Alternative there Support, you go. featuring my white dad. <laughs> so apparently this is free airtime. Tyler's gone to use the washroom, which he does about every 30 minutes in real life. And what I'd like to add to what we've already talked about is that I am easily one of the world's luckiest people. I'm not easy to get along with. I'm a bit of a Bit of a bit of a jackass. I do speak my mind, oftentimes when I shouldn't. And if I could take back one thing as a parent, and I'll repeat this when Tyler comes back on so he hears it, it's just that oftentimes I wish I didn't say something that was completely the truth at the moment when I said it. Being an emotional person, and if you've met TOD, you know that he has the same passion and emotion in life. Not having a filter sometimes means you say, oops, later. I'm fortunate, and why I'm so lucky is that my family understands that even if I mean exactly what I'm saying, because I always do, it's not meant as something to tear them down. It's just the way I deliver it. So I'm lucky because I've been able to mature, because my family is patient, they're understanding, and they're equally as ignorant as I am. And the one I actually see eye to eye with the most is our youngest because he's the most like me. He doesn't like the spotlight. He's a funny guy, but he's also unfiltered. So I've said this to them before, and I hope he uses this in there. People ask, often ask me, who's your favorite child? Uh, I came back at the right time. And, and actually, For now. yeah, you'll recap that I, I also talked about the one thing I don't like I've done as a parent is my unfiltered honesty oftentimes comes out as something that you know could have been not said or you know right. said oh, later I see what you mean. Yeah. or said differently so anyway now that you pop back in 
And I have an answer. You know, my wife will tell you she doesn't have a favorite, and she really doesn't. For me, so it's, it's me. I do have favorites in instances. For example, if I'm going to go to a sporting event where somebody's participating or we're going to watch what we know, I'm going to go with Jade. Yep. Um, and I say that to Tyler, even though we just got to play football together, because the one sport that he truly had a passion to play, you may not have recognized it at the time, is is football. I mean, I've already sent 20 messages on my football team chat. I coach the local American football team here in town. Shout out the Titans, Abu Dhabi Titans. Is watch number 12. Tyler had to wear 12 because there was no number 13 <laughs> on this play. And just how feisty, how aggressive, how passionate he is when he's on the field. I love it. He did keep his streak of personal fouls in the game. Oh, my live. God, that's true. Right. So the second <laughs> thing is if I had to sit around and BS and or have a drink or just, you know, be out at a bar. Which, or talk on a podcast, perhaps. Which I never do. Yeah. It'd be Tyler. Um, obviously, he's not the uh, smartest, uh, yeah. you know, of the three, or even the smarter of the two. <laughs> but I but, never claim to be, but I'll, but, I'll take that. I'll take alternative support. He has the, exactly. <laughs> he has the ability to be impassioned while being dispassionate, which is a skill that an orator has to have to be successful at this type of uh, endeavor. I don't really know what that is. What, it, is, what is that? It means you have the ability to speak with passion mm -hmm. while not being so passionate that the other viewpoints and the subject gets lost in uh, your passion. I see. You're okay. not Rush Limbaugh. You hear that, Emilio? <laughs> You're kidding. not a leftist yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with rising up above stuff you consider insignificant as long as you come back in mm -hmm. and recognize that A, that's what you did, and B, I'm not devaluing your opinion. I'm overvaluing mine, which I think you do a good job of. Right. And then the third thing um, with our children is if I just have to be at home and hang out or want a good laugh or just need to be around and somebody needs me, that's our youngest. Shout out to Khan. You know, I mean, he was been the most independent person in our family for the longest time. But at the same time, he knows we're here and he'll come down and say, hey, do you want to watch TV? Hey, you want to play Super Smash Bros? Hey, do you want to watch BoJack? <laughs> hey, Rick and Morty has a new episode, right? I mean, Yo, Carr's the man, really. He's really the man. Like after all those things, like Carr's really, he's really into some cool stuff. Playing Super Smash Bros., watching BoJack. That's my guy. Sorry, keep going. Keep going. No, no. And, and so to your point, I think the thing that made Connor so um, valuable to the family, mm -hmm. and you all have value. And, I, and if we get there one day, I'll, I'll I'll tell you the things I wrote to your mom when I was my last war assignment, right? But. Connor's value has always been able to recognize when being him makes us better. Hmm. Whether it's him and, his, uh, him and his, his brother and sister, the whole family. I mean, just little things like you'll be in a restaurant and all of a sudden you can't stop laughing for 10 minutes. Because <laughs> he said something that he said 20 times in the last two weeks, but the time he delivered it this time. The perfect timing. Right? Perfect timing. So, um, you're right. I mean, that... Big Galoot. He is big. He's tall. He's the tallest one in the family. What is he like? Six four, six three. Just under six four. Yeah. With the fro, six six. About six seven with the fro. <laughs> picked out about six nine. To my mother's dismay, my brother has been growing it out. Keep growing it, Connor. We support you over here. Free the hair, bro. Free, free the hair. Free the hair. <laughs> Unfortunately, my mother cannot join us, but that's uh, maybe one another time. We'll try to get her on another podcast because you all are missing out without her being here. It's uh, it would have been a really cool. Uh, Dynamic, but that's fine. That's I'll interject real quick. Is yeah. I think the thing that makes the parent dynamic work for us mm -hmm. 
is that we see so alike on the things that matter to the family and passionately disagree <laughs> with a lot of things that matter to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we allow you to see those disagreements right. without trying to influence your viewpoint. Right. And I'll be honest with you, it's harder for me, you know, being the white parent in a dynamic where we we wholly endorse and quite honest with you, I'm I know more of the Nigerian, you know, ceremonies and rituals than I do of anything Irish or Scottish from mm-hmm. way back when. The thing I know best is American. Right. Which is uh, its own identity and culture. Yeah. Some people disagree, but yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. You know, I mean it's so it it is a little easier for your mother to relate to a I mean, obviously easy for your mother to relate to a lot of issues. Your your sister's hair care. Right, right yeah. When, when she was young, when I did her the hair, it was, it was it was sixty baubles because Jade liked to clink her hair. Oh, around. that was crazy! Right. Or Connor's classic, the line in his hair back when he when, would cut our when hair. When you guys, when you guys actually thought me cutting hair was cool. Yeah, yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, but uh, it, it, funny how your hair looks the exact same as it did when I cut it. Minus imprint. The, minus the cuts in the back of the ear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just an imprint, early imprint. But I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to go there at some point, which is about this idea of being. Like a different race than your children. Both you and Mama obviously are, but like you said, I think there are probably more instances where Mama can maybe relate or just in terms of any issues related to race, the world looks at us not as white first, right? So I'm sure there's instances where, you know, Mama would have uh, maybe some more, what's it called? Uh, Opinion, not like better opinion, but just insight. I think think instinctive insight is is something that I mean, I will always cede that to your mother. Yeah, and this, I sorry, just real quick before you keep going, is I think a parenting gem that any uh, mixed or interracial couple should implement that I think was very valuable for me and my siblings speaking to them is you guys always promoted this idea of listen, you can be black, you can be white, you can be both, you can be neither. Like, we what you are is up to you, and just know that we're gonna show you what you're all made of, like everything that you do come from, all of the background and richness that makes you what you are, and it's up to you to not pick and choose, that's probably not the right term, but what identifies with you, what's important to you, what influences you, and I don't know, I don't know if you have anything to say about that or about so that input. I do, two things. One is that we never said you're not both. Yeah. We've always said you are both. Right. And we've also reinforced on that that oftentimes you will be what society tells you you are, mm-hmm. but you don't have to accept that. So that's where the, you know, yes. not, right. And then the second point is that as far as the richness aspect goes, there's, again, everything in life is layered. So for my backstory is my dad was a type of person where if you acted differently to different people, even if it wasn't because they were different, but because Johnny threw a rock at you. Mm-hmm. Well, Johnny happened to be a Hispanic kid, mm-hmm. and you smacked him. My dad would be like, smack you first and say, why'd you hit him? Right. Trying to imprint that, you know, I want to know why you did something, but I'm preempting if you did it wrong, you know that it's wrong. That that's wrong, right. right. Um, 
Again, not agreeing with my dad smacking me every day, which <laughs> every, every day, every single day, I was, on, I was on that orange couch every single day, Ugh. and I deserved it. About I would say, whose fault is it? At well, that no, point? no, in all honesty, <laughs> you know, if you're weighing things like the 50-50 model, I was yeah. probably wrong about 95 percent of the time. Right. So, <laughs> uh, the A plus I, of being wrong. <laughs> yes, because I was a big instigator. But the the other part of it is that what we hope to accomplish was that in the societies that you'd be living in, whether it was Toronto or the United States where you chose to go to school, and I hope you know one day you'd be like as American as you are Canadian, is that society really doesn't care what you think about 90% of the time. Right. So it's important for you to care about what you think. Mm. Right? And that was our... Because that's the only way they'll care, is if you care about what you think. Well, and... Again, I like the old military 100% model where 10% won't care either way. 10% mm -hmm. will care completely their way. The other 80% are amenable to how you feel. Right. right? And in that 80% spectrum, now in the United States today, that's probably gone to like a 20, 20, 60 model. Yeah. But what we felt was important is you, you were exposed to what we were and liked. Mm -hmm. I was not a big family person. Our time back home in New Hampshire was never about who was there, it was about us going there. Because hmm. it's important for me to see my home. Yeah. Right? That's what mattered to me. You chasing chickens around in the yard, <laughs> you know, was as important to me as, you know, was more important to me than the fact that only three of my brothers, instead of all eight of my brothers, were home. Right. Right? That, them being there didn't matter because that wasn't me. Right. But you going to Toronto, it mattered that we had a family gathering where your aunt, your uncle, Always as, time, grandma as, time, grandpa. as time went on. So those two things. And then culturally, I never had the Irish, hmm. Scottish culture hmm. influence. It's funny because, right, sorry to interrupt, but right before you get onto that, Mama, I was talking with Mama yesterday. She was looking through Grandma's uh, like photo Baby book and the lineage and stuff. And she was saying, like, I think it was your great-great-grandfather um, on one of Grandma's sides. I forgot which parent. But Cambridge, like that's the lineage, it's traced back to Cambridge. And then before that, um, there's nothing, like they didn't have traces back before that, right? So they were just in Cambridge helping build, I mean, the city and part of the country since that far back. And then the other side was maybe two greats. And then uh, after that was like Cork, Cork Ireland. Ireland. Yeah, Cork, Ireland. So it's like, I, I mean, you almost... I understand what you mean because they were just away from that for so long. So, so and specifically that on my dad's side of the family, mm -hmm. they were on his mom's side. They were in the United States before it was the United States. Mm -hmm. And wow. and then on my mom's That's side crazy. of the family, they are like and I'm back. They're like eighteen hundreds and then early 1900s for the the parent you know the maternal paternal side mm -hmm. so but that was never our lineage right. our lineage was we're american right right uh, no hyphenation kill your american. hyphenation kill the hyphen. i mean i agree but right. we can but, get into that in anyway, a sec so on your mom's side your mother being literally a arrival mm -hmm. you are a first generation born out of born, nigeria right, right? yeah and the that side of it matters not just to your mom mm -hmm. and i will tell you what i've told you guys before in your mom's culture because nigeria has 140 something different tribes that, right. that your mom's tribal culture 
before a man can marry a woman, he has to have an introduction ceremony, right. equivalent to like a, a proposal, but it's introducing the family. Mm -hmm. So we had to bring my sick mom and one of my brothers up to Toronto. Which brother? Which one? Chip King. Aha, uh -huh. shout out to Uncle Chip. Right. Okay, yeah. So, but it was, we had the uh, engagement ceremony or the introduction yeah. ceremony. And I Grandpa made the, pay a dowry? I, I made, <laughs> I, I think I still owe. <laughs> but I, I, I promised my uh, firstborn son. Sorry, oh. So, yeah. That's why they're so interested in what I'm doing. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, uh, the 16 women you have to choose from are waiting. We're, where? <laughs> yeah, I know they're still waiting. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I made this statement that at the engagement party, I said, you know, to me, it's, it's really amazing that I come from a family of 14, and we have no culture beyond we're Americans. Right. And here I am in a, in a, in a living room with more culture than I could hope to ever have. And I've embraced that. Yeah. And I didn't embrace it for you guys because you guys weren't even around. Right. I embraced it because it mattered to me. That's good. I yeah. don't care what it meant. That's dope. I really don't care. No. <laughs> I did not care that it mattered to Rita or her parents. Uh -huh. But I obviously did in the sense that if I embrace it, it won't matter if I care or not. Right. They won't care if I care. They'll see that I've done it. Right. They'll see and, that you tr you have dedicated yourself yeah, to and, it. And, that you're part of it now. And that just made it easy for you guys to be, you know, to embrace the black side of your existence mm -hmm. because it wasn't black and white. It was the Nigerian side of your existence. Right. And Which I think is an important distinction. It is. And the other part of it is that, and I think this goes to full credit to everybody around you. And in this case, again, my brothers and sisters, they don't matter in any decision-making capacity like your aunt and uncle do on your mother's side. Mm. But they easily could have been, kiss my ass, go away, we don't like you, yeah. right? But I had the influence over them to say, you have two choices, you like it or you're not around, right? right? Or, you know, and, and it wasn't even accept that you like it or you're not around. Yeah. And, they're not monsters. Of course not. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, this was a different dynamic. I was about to say, I didn't I was gonna say all credit to them that there was never any anything that they ever showed that would make me feel like I'm other than them or that I'm different than family, right? But then at the same time, I don't even think I need to say that because I mean I kinda would expect that, right? Like I would kinda expect that they would be like Correct. that because it's and, family. And I think that again we point to problems in America and I, I was in the United States, I'll say Canada has the same problems, it's just not as pronounced mm -hmm. or not as loud. Shout out is Trudeau. that you should, as a person, yeah, have an expectancy that respect is a baseline. Right. No matter what I look like. You dictate to them how they should treat you. Right. Not how you look, how you act, whatever, right? Right. Who you are. Correct. So, but the, uh, the point I was trying to run into, and I, I, I sidetracked myself, <laughs> thanks for the uh, freedom there on the mic. You know, that's what that, these people know now where I get it from, because right. I sidetrack all the right. time on this episode, uh, yeah, on these tangents. episodes. Right. But <laughs> the, the base point is this, is if we're saying to you, you are both black and white, mm -hmm. and you get to be exposed to a variety of different things, if the majority of influences are one thing or another, then it's only natural to expect that you identify there. Yeah. So had you, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, you never would have been treated as 
white in New Hampshire as you are black in Toronto. Right. But right, right, you right. would have, the self-identification process obviously would have been different. Mm -hmm. my, my mom doing Jade's hair, Jade's hair would have been combed oh, straight every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my yeah. mom knew nothing else. Right. Right? Um, so there's that part of it. But the, the more important part, and I think this is a testament to how your mother and I value the individuality in each other, is I guarantee you, if you, your brother and sister, brought up your playlist, in addition to you all having a Drake song on there, every one of you has a Bruce Springsteen song on there. <laughs> yeah, of course. Every one of you has, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Because my musical tastes run from, you know, everything short of bang your head against the wall metal to faster than the slowest country song ever. Right. Right. And your mother doesn't have as wide a spectrum. But if you bring up her playlist, it's so, not all, you know, Nigerian music and then the era she grew up in high school. Right. Right? I mean, she'll have ABBA where I won't, but that's... that's ABBA! Point, right? So... <laughs> I, I always mention that to people, though, about my musical um, selection. And when they ask about when first getting into music, what were your favorite artists? And so I'm like, I mean, Bruce Springsteen, like Bob Dylan is up there, the Fugees, right? And then Af or Nigerian singer I don't know the name of because I heard it in Grandma's house all the time, right? Or ACDC, right? Mama loves ACDC and things like that. So it's always interesting to when people ask me about that and talk about my musical... I don't know about inspirations, if that's the right word, but just background and things I like to listen to because I get to mention that my parents had this wide spectrum in bo like both of their libraries, a wide spectrum of just music and things you got to hear and be influenced by. My favorite thing to do when I was still in the Army is way back when you had like CD trays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is I used to have a five CD tray. Hmm. And every now and then I'd just stand up from doing whatever I was doing, put my drink down, and walk <laughs> over and open the thing and see what... CDs were in there. Right. And I, Shrek Party CD? Was that one of them? Shrek Party. Hey, <laughs> donkey. You can tell that story. Uh, the donkey swerving road ride. Oh my God. But anyway, but so much. I never once found more than two of any genre on my CD tray. Yeah, which is dope. And I, and I, I mean, it, it wasn't something I was conscious of. It's just that I liked different things. Yeah. Do you, uh, now, are you consciously proud of that that you were like maybe you look back and see and not just in music obviously with your romantic interest my mother is like you said a vastly different culture than you things like that that was that ever something I'm still cooler <laughs> we can debate that later but was there what? Edit that. <laughs> but was there ever a conscious moment where you noticed like um being like open-minded to these things. I'm not gonna let ignorance influence me, blah, 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 blah. Or is it like you said, grandpa kind of instilled those type of things, right? Or was, was there conscious lessons along the way or was it always just kind of in you? I would say that there's, you know, both those things exist. It was inculcated in me. Whoa, I don't even know what right, that means. Right. Instilled in me. Okay, that, inculcated. That and I, I always go back to the one single word my dad taught me that I, I will take to the grave, and that's respect. Hmm. Everybody's worthy of your respect. Until they show that they're not, then they're just a doormat, you wipe your feet as you walk on, right? <laughs> but if you start, you don't have to be kind, you don't have to be nice, you don't have to, I mean, in the opposite, you don't have to be mean, you don't have to hate, yeah, but if you're respectful, what's going to happen is that person will realize that it's not about their value or your value. It's about the fact that we have a value. Right. Intrinsic, equal value Correct. until you prove right. not. And if you start there, then what ends up happening is every experience you have mm -hmm. 
you then realize that it's not that black guy or that Asian woman right. or that dog or whatever it is, right? It's that that individual element. That's Jeff. It's That's just a Veronica. Idiot. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know? You're, you are a total jackass. <laughs> the dog, or are we? Well, <laughs> if they're not grill size, they probably, and they're not mean enough, then they are. Oh, man, anyway, that's a cl- another classic Don't go joke. into the no, Thanos argument. Anyway, don't go into the Thanos <laughs> list. But anyway, but. And then, we'll put that out with the post, your Thanos yeah, list. <laughs> and, then the, and then the final part of it is this, is that as you live life, yeah. right, I made conscious decisions to not dislike anybody. Mm-hmm. Before, you know, I was married, I dated women of many different races. Ah, la, 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 closing my ears, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no. You know, (laughs) much like yourself. Okay. Uh, But the thing is that that I never dated somebody that said, well, you're just a complete jackass. Right. I I wouldn't go there. Right. I've had friends and acquaintances, not a lot of friends. I've never done friends for, you know, for reasons that we can talk about maybe at a different time. But I've had many acquaintances and they're of different stripes as well. Yeah. And... Again, it's got nothing to do with what they are, but really what value they have to be on the football field. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it all comes I, actually, back to. Actually, that's, that's how it started. But anyway, that's where it all comes back right? to. But, so to your point directly, I think that if you choose to say, I'll be respectful yeah. and I'm willing to be myself, mm-hmm. then for me, that ends up, I'm in the circumstances I am. And... That's not to put down somebody that was raised in circumstances where being them was being a racist or being a sexist. Um, That is learned behavior, but oftentimes you don't get that choice to learn it. How much do you put into that in terms of those people raised in those circumstances? How much do you put into it's on you to break out of that? It's 100% on you to break out of it. It's 100% not on you if you've never given the opportunity to break out of it. Hmm. And I think it is less and less... Again, I made this statement earlier. With the amount of information available today mm-hmm. to everybody, yeah. unless you've been raised in, you know, that guy's Cave. got six wives chained to beds with 15 <sighs> kids chained in a room, Jeez. right? And the pigs get treated better than the people, right? Right. Everyone else in the world has the opportunity to say, wow, this is what the world's really like. Mm-hmm. And so you have two choices, and they're always your choices. Mm-hmm. Free will means you have choice. Even if you choose not to accept it, that's a choice you make. Sure. Right? So you have two choices. You can either choose to say, I'm going to ignore all the information which is available to me. Right. Or you can choose to say, you know what? I'm willing to listen. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, every single person that's ever felt put down, put upon, abused, if you're just saying I'm willing to listen, you already made that person that feels put down right. in a position that, they can start to stand up. Hmm. Let's let that Bernie breeze Sanders, for a second. Let why that don't you use that? <laughs> <laughs> we will not even go that route. We will not even go that route. All right, last thing, because we're wait, over wait, two wait, hours. No, no, Bernie Sanders. He will have a heart attack debating Donald Trump. <laughs> okay, we're over two hours, so just lastly, I want to ask you about, when's your podcast coming? 13 Reasons Why, right? 13 Reasons to Shut the Fuck Up. Um, <laughs> what I'm going to do now that I understand how this works is... And now you know why it's called that. You've heard them enough. Well, well, no, we haven't even gotten to one reason why you should shut the fuck up. But what's <laughs> going to end up happening is I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk to myself, because Tyler... Or actually, I'll get people on the phone. I'll call in, yeah. gladly. We'll, we'll bring up a subject, and for example, we'll talk about 
why somebody, she won't be mentioned, but there's only one woman in the house right now, <laughs> left a dirty beer can on the bar. Not a beer can. It's a glass. Sorry, sorry it's a glass yeah, that she drank yeah. beer out of. That, <laughs> that she poured beer cans into. She expected into. Tyler to, uh, to remove, and he never does. I find him in the morning. Uh, uh, so one sometimes. reason to shut the fuck up would be, you know, hey, Tyler, will you make sure you take that off the bar? And he didn't do it. So in the morning, I wasn't Tyler, where's that glass? It's on the bar, Dad. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so that's the type thing we're looking at. It will be a Team 13 production. That's right. Ty, Ty Place tie-in. We'll figure out how to Ty word studio, that. Ty's Place Studio, something like that. Um, Studio might be a stretch, but... Uh, <laughs> and listen, do you, we you don't know, know where we've been recording this. Maybe, maybe a Thai Plays production in Jim's bar. I don't know, whatever it is. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll get the branding but, right. Um, but to your point, now that I know how to work this equipment... Yeah, I'll show you the technical stuff. I'll show you the more intricate stuff, but otherwise... You, you already showed me how to plug it in. I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's, hey, listen, that's most of it. That's like that's 70%. That's what she said. All right, I think on that note... But, um, but no, on a serious note... <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where I'm going to figure out a way to engage you three, your brother yep. and your sister, on something topical mm -hmm. because you all have the ability to riff left and right like I do. I would love to um, hear the you and Connor episode. The, that would be amazing. The, the good thing about that is that I will know which buttons to push oh, for seriousness versus just to piss them off. Right. And That will be a great joke. I will come up with... A sound effect for shut the fuck up. <laughs> Just be, you saying might, it. <laughs> might be might be like trying to get a John Cena hand wave. Oh you know? wow, that's good. Right, but um, something where you can't see me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the other thing I'm going to do is, once I mature into the podcasting thing, I'm going to have guests on. Yeah. And I will have a mute button. And the the two things <laughs> you'll not be allowed to do is if you start to not answer the question, I was like mute and press the button, and I'll let them talk even right. after they heard me say mute. Right. While I'm talking at the same time. Oh, that's good. And the second thing is that <laughs> I will not bring in anybody that their idea of an opinion is to say something people want to hear. Ooh, I like that. That is a good note to end on. All right, so is there anything, last words, last plugs, anything that you want to shout out before we sign off right here? Yeah, I, and again, I said it when Tyler's out of the room. I'll say it again now. I am, you know, everyone can say they're the luckiest person on the planet, so I won't tell that lie because everyone feels that way, but I am certainly the luckiest person I could be hmm. in the existence that I have because of the family that I have. Hmm. I'm a jackass. I'm a loudmouth. I'm a goof. Fact. I can be physically intimidating when I choose to be, which surprises me because I'm not the biggest guy in the world. Um, At least in the stomach area. You correct. My stomach <laughs> is smaller than Tyler's, but that's cool. Um, but the fact that I have people that have chosen to understand me, yeah. have chosen to realize that underneath all that 13 reasons to shut the fuck up, there is a lining that says there's one reason to say, you know what, it's at least worth listening to. And I am most proud in my, in my entire 55 years on the planet to say that my wife and I have raised, so my 50% portion, <laughs> probably 95%, Portion Ooh, is that edit, edit point. we've raised them to have the same self-conviction, the same self-confidence to speak while remaining humble enough to recognize when they're either wrong or don't know something. If I could close with one final thought. Please. Actually, please two do. final thoughts. All one, right. <laughs> never be afraid to raise your hand and ask a question. Yep. And two, don't be fucking bitter. Be better. Yeah, that is a great note to end on. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Rabbit Hole Sessions Pop. Thank you, man. This has really been a 
fantastic episode. I, I really mean, enjoyed this. I think it was worth the. Is our nightly session? I think it was worth the eighteen month wait. <laughs> oh yeah, it Thanks has been a little like bit. Prick. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tyler. Yeah, there we go. That's better. So thank you again, everybody. We will be back. I'm sure next time you hear us, I'll probably be back with Emilio and James again. But um, yeah, thank you again. Check us out. Probably about a week after this gets released, we will have the first episode of 13 Reasons to Shut the Fuck Up before wow. Tyler goes back to Boston. I like the sound of that. Wait, oh, let's plug. What's Connor's YouTube? What's his uh, little... Uh... Um, the Health Inspector yes. on YouTube. At the Health Inspector Check out on YouTube. the Squidward episode. Those are good. Squidward's, what's a camping disaster or something? Uh, Squidward's Violent Camping Trip. <laughs> oh, my God. The yeah. Health Inspector. The Health Squidward's Inspector on YouTube. Violent Camping Trip. It's a trip. picture of a fish character from SpongeBob. Um, does Joe have anything we need to plug? Check out Scion Rugby, I guess, on Instagram. Scion at Rugby. Scion Rugby. That's S-C-I-O-N Rugby. Uh, NYUAD Athletics, I guess. Come to NYUAD Athletics. We, um, we are all about opportunity. That's right. And, uh, matter of fact, this weekend, we have a big track meet. Let's go plug, the, plug. The star DJ, oh, T.O.D. Who's that? Who that? Who that? Ah. T.O.D. put a performance on at our national championship track meet. That's right. Where people were asking, who's that guy? Your boy. Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Connor. Shout out to Job. Shout out to Mama. Shout out to Pop. I wish Mama could have made it. So do I, but it's okay. We'll, we'll yes, figure I out a way to get her. Mama. We'll, f- we'll figure out a way to get her on another one. Because like I said, people, you're missing out without her being here. But we'll we'll figure something out. So let me... L- Oh, Let me say go. this. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Maybe we'll do a truncated rabbit hole session. Like a shorter A shorter one. Trunk, and then you yeah. can just use some of this that ties into what we'll talk about. It's not a bad but idea. We'll get mom on the mic we are over to talk hours. about three specific things. The racial identity yes, in our dynamic to the growing up with you guys. Yeah. Because there were several times where you guys were alone with me and where you guys were alone with mama. That's right. And then the third one, which I think is probably most pertinent to the development of you guys is her take on our joy in traveling yes and willing to take chances and why we came here how we even ended up here that's right yeah okay so you all heard it that's some sneak sneak peek into some things to preview to and be ready for please check out everything we talked about and thank you again for joining us this has been the rabbit hole that's right peace out peace out